All right, welcome back to Failure TV. Wow, that's a great start. That's a good failure. Good, good failure to start. Welcome back to Failure TV, everybody. Uh, my next guest is a clinical uh, psychologist who is, uh, has a PhD in organizational psychology, and he's the founder and the curator of the Museum of Failure. Please welcome Dr. Samuel West. Thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow, we're, we're off to a great start the, yeah. the, this morning already, eh? You, you screwed up the intro, and I'm sitting in a dumpy hotel in Los Angeles. So, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything better? No, it feels like a good place to talk about failure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so just to start, why don't you tell uh, uh, everybody a little bit about uh, your history? Um, what exactly is a clinical psychologist and organizational psychology, and kind of how did you get into that? Well, clinical psychology is just what everybody calls a shrink or a regular a therapist. So that's working with, I mean anxiety, depression, uh, uh, behavioral issues, etc. Um, I did that for about 10 years, um, got tired of it, and um, moved on to do some organizational work, which is basically the same thing. Instead of helping screwed up people, you help screwed up organizations, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, I got a, did a PhD you know, I think it's, uh, I started, I, fin I finished it up about five, six years ago. Um, and the whole focus of the, of the research was on how to help organizations create an environment that's, that sort of facilitates uh, those activities of exploration and experimentation. Um, those are like two buzzwords for innovation. Um, like how can we create a climate that's more innovative um, in, in, in organizing sort of fun, primary question. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, did that, then realized that the biggest obstacle isn't a lack of books about innovation <laughs> I mean, <they're laughs> everywhere. And the problem isn't, you know, a lack of methods and stuff for, for innovation and organizational creativity. The big problem is that people are afraid of fucking up. Amen to that. Yeah. That's a huge so, thing. Yeah. So the fear of failure seemed to always be there, regardless of which stage of innovation you're in. Um, and it, it fundamentally sort of blocks um, is a major obstacle for, 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 for innovation. Mm -hmm. So I was like thinking, like, what, what can I, I really want to like sort of communicate the importance of accepting failure. And the importance of learning from failure once you once you you know once you screw it up, and this is all focused on organization. So, um, and then, uh, yeah, then I, I visited a museum in uh, Croatia on the Mediterranean um, uh, three years ago with my family on vacation. It's called the Museum of Broken Relationships. Oh, <laughs> really, really good. Uh, uh, I should visit there. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, and that sort of, I, I'm not, I was never interested in the exhibits or museums or anything like that. Um, and, but that opened my eyes like, wait a second, I can, I don't have to write a book, another book or do another talk or whatever. Um, it's, I want to open a museum. It's a new novel way of communicating and stimulating interest in research. So that was the beginning. Of the museum of failure that is very cool uh <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, the, the things you learn <laughs> yeah 
Uh, you got to Google Museum of Broken Relationships. They're awesome. Just check Absolutely. them out. Absolutely. And, and of, of all places for, for yeah. that type of museum yeah, Croatia. to be. Yeah, Croatia. <laughs> yeah. Um, beautiful, this is one beautiful of the beautiful city. things about travel. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful city, uh, uh, Zagreb. Great, great place to visit. Absolutely. I would love to, to go out there one of these days and not just to visit the museum. I've had quite a few friends that have yep. gone over there and said how amazing it is. So just from that, I wanted to go and now yeah. I go just to check now out you the have museum. To go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long exactly have you been uh, running the Museum of Failure and, and kind of where did you launch it? Uh, launched it uh, last year. Let's say no, no, hold on. Last year uh, in June. So what is it, a year and a half ago? Something like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, in Sweden, opened up in the, where I live in Sweden. It's a small city, Helsingborg, way, way, way in the south of Sweden. Um, and it exploded media wise. So it became, we got global press on an absolutely absurd level. Um, and because of that press and that interest from, from both from, companies and from um and just you know um individuals the the museum then uh, opened up in los angeles exactly a year ago in uh, december um and it was a huge hit in la and then since then it's opened in, in toronto uh and it, it's opening now in um in shanghai next month awesome so yeah. do you have different exhibits uh, at the different locations and do they kind of tour around or they kind of yeah, it's just, no no it's it's a, it's a touring exhibit so okay. and now there's the, there's right now the, there's one open in in sweden but it closes in in january um so it's open usually like three months at each place um something like that um and and the exhibits i mean if you went to the one in um germany or in los angeles you would there was there's minor differences, but you would not see them. I I, I know what they are, <laughs> but um yeah, I think like right like the one in Los Angeles was less politically correct than the one in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> Probably um, get away with it down there a lot easier. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, th but those those local variations make it more interesting, I think. Oh, absolutely, yeah, definitely try and uh, target target the audience uh, in the area. Um, now, obviously, you didn't expect it to to get that kind of media attention uh, no. right off the bat and, and to grow the way it did. No. Um, do you think um, these days that people kind of have, like, if you go out and you search like fail videos on YouTube, there's more than you can count of, yeah. of people's fails. Do you, do you think people enjoy watching other people fail? Do you think that had something to do with the success or how do you think that went? Uh, to be boring here, I mean, my the Museum of Failure is not about the fail. What do you call it? The fail. What's that? What do they call fail videos on YouTube? Like the failures I'm promoting are the ones that are done sort of at pushing the boundaries, uh, trying new things. It's done in the name of progress and innovation. So if you fuck up, you know, if you fall on your bike because you're stupid, that doesn't belong in the museum of failure. You're just stupid. Mm -hmm. Like, and you can put it, make it, you can put the, put up that, upload that on YouTube and people can laugh at it. That's fine. That's one, that's, that's, that's one element of failure. The one I'm sort of on a mission to, 
yeah, I feel like a preacher uh, on a mission to to educate people about is if you're trying a new trick on your bike, you're trying a new like you're developing this new way of biking. You know, I don't know how that would be, but you're really pushing sort of the boundary of what is a bike and how can you whatever you know a real novel, innovative way of either biking or new technology for bikes. It's when those fail, like you start biking up a wall because you developed a new tire that sticks to the sides of the walls and then halfway up you fall down. That belongs in the Museum of Failure. Absolutely. And one of my favorite, well, actually probably my favorite um, fails of that type is uh, Gorilla Glass for smartphones. Yeah. Every Everybody knows about Gorilla yeah. Glass because everybody's got one of these in their pocket, but they have no idea that it was actually created. I think it was in the 50s completely by accident. Yeah. And it just sat on a shelf until Steve Jobs came around. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's quite a few examples like that <coughs> where, where um, what's a failure in one context and in one time is not in another. So, absolutely. And, and failure, it's always, I mean, Failure is always con like in a context. So if you fail, um, it's always evaluated sort of by what the expectations are. So I mean, the academic definition of failure is that it's a deviance from expected or desired outcomes or a deviation. Absolutely. So I mean, and I like that. It's kind of dry as but I like that definition because you can evaluate failure based on it. So, if I'm screwing around on my bike, right, and I'm trying to bike up a wall, I'm saying it's I'm staring at a wall right now. <laughs> so, and, and I'm just screwing around having fun, and I happen to fall on my bike. That, according to this stricter definition, is then not a failure. I'm just, you know, playing around. I don't have any goal. I don't have any expectations. But if I'm trying to sell you my new bike, Spider-Man bike, <laughs> and and it falls off the wall then that and it, nobody buys it and they laugh at me then in that context it's a huge failure absolutely so it depends on the intent and what you want to do so i mean yeah i don't well, make any sense? From, absolutely it does and from all the people that i've talked to everybody kind of has their their own definitions of failure and yeah. their own outlooks on failure and really a lot of people um, that I talk to don't don't really have failure in the vo in their vocabulary in the standard sense. Yeah, their idea of failure is like giving up on an idea. Like yeah, th they consider that part to be the failure. If they if they screw something up, it's like mm. all right, well that's what I learned. Let's move on to the next thing and and go on. But if they just yeah. completely fail at it, then it's that's the failure is giving up it's on it. I, I, just, I thought that, interesting um, that people, because you've talked to a lot of people about failure. Um, so that giving up on, a, on, an, on an idea is considered a failure. Well, in my museum, there's a substantial amount of objects there that are in the museum precisely because somebody didn't give up on them. So there's this myth out there that perseverance sort of is key. So if you just try hard enough, are smart enough, etc., you'll become successful. That's bullshit. It's yeah. absolute bullshit. If you've got a bad idea, a stupid idea, and you're incapable of implementing it, 
it doesn't matter how much effort you put into it, it's still going to be a failure. So um, Steve Jobs, you mentioned him, a great example of, of knowing when to kill a project because it's not ever going to yes. you know, take off. So he, the Apple Newton, you're probably familiar with that. Sure am, yeah. So it was, uh, I think it was 2097, I'm not sure actually, somewhere there. It launched the Apple Newton and the, 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 the kick-ass feature was you could write on the screen and it could yeah. rec it recognized your handwriting. This little ish. <laughs> ish, ish. Um, and you know, it was an awesome piece of technology, but it just didn't work, right? Yeah. So Apple, you know, people made fun of the Newton and Apple sort of was really embarrassed and they lost a lot of money on this. So yeah. when, App when Steve Jobs took over, I'm not glorifying him, but he knew what to do in this case. He comes out and he goes, wow, we've spent these many millions on the Apple Newton. It's not working. So he killed it. He just totally mm -hmm. killed it. This management, right? Yeah. And so he killed it, pulled the plug, put all those resources into continuing the development. And then, of course, that's what led to the uh, iPod, iPad, the Apple's current success. Yeah. But it's quite interesting. So what would have happened if the CEO would have said, oh, no, we just have to persevere dedication, you can do it, let's make the Apple Newton work. It would have failed anyway. So knowing when to stop, you know, knowing when to throw in the towel is also part of success. Absolutely. And I think, it's, I think it's missed in a lot of the sort of popular discussions about failure, which sort of idealize the strong, uh, determined, you know, entrepreneur or, or uh, uh, athlete or whatnot. No, there's plenty of people banging their heads against the walls. Absolutely. And I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and I've known a lot of entrepreneurs and, and that's also uh, a very common mm -hmm. thing is, you know, trying, trying different ideas to see where they'll go, but knowing when, you know what, this, no, I, yeah. I thought it would work, but yeah. it's just, it's, no. it's not going. So, yeah. and I've done that more times than <laughs> I can count myself. Yeah. We, we all know people who, uh, are determined to make their business idea work and it just year after year after year it's not working and sure they might find success somewhere but uh, maybe they would find better success if they just gave up and tried something else absolutely take what you've learned from this person yeah. from this experience and that might open a door for something completely different yes. that you hadn't expected yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people fail is mm. uh, the their perceptions of failure, um, mm. again, are, are in the wrong places and causing them yeah. to end up in the, in the wrong place than where yeah. they should be. Yep. So uh, in, in your life, um, is there any major things that you would consider a significant failure that you've <laughs> that you've worked past? That I've worked past, or I'm still in. <laughs> it could could be both, but you know, the angle is what. What did you learn from that experience, and and how is that helping you in, in today? Yeah, I mean, just just now this morning, I was dealing with a lawsuit. My ex business partner, uh, that I started off when I started developing Museum of Failure, he sued me because he thinks he thinks he owns half of Museum of Failure because he designed the logo, he thinks he owns the whole concept. And it's, it's a major pain in the ass, and it's costing me a lot of effort and, and hassle. Um, and 
I look back and I say, so what did I do wrong? I'm to do what do I do to deserve this mm -hmm. mess? And and yeah, I'm not. I wasn't. I was sloppy. I was sloppy about picking my business partner, and I'm now paying the price for it. Um, it'll go over absolutely, but you know, it's 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 a major hassle. So that's one thing, and I think it's the same. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, it's a, it's a very similar thing to choosing the wrong, you know, uh, uh, life, uh, mar uh, marriage, or what do you call it, relationship in other yes. avenues as well. Like, um, be careful who you form these relationships with that uh, that you have to invest a lot into, whether it's you know marriage or or business partner. That's one thing I'm thinking about right now. I mean, in general, the my main failure is, and I'm. I don't know if I'm learning so much from it, but I'm really, really, really good at finding new sort of, you know, embarking on new exciting projects. And I get like, all excited. I get all excited about it, and I'm I'm really I, I'm good at it. You know, I know I can take I, crazy ideas and make them happen um, with with a very limited budget. And you know, I have a good track record, so it's 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 easy for me to get people engaged. Uh, on my projects, yeah. But my problem is, once the project is running, I lose interest in it. So I'm like, yeah, now it's all going fine, and I'm not. I'm just not. But th see, that's where the money is. The money isn't in starting stuff. It's in writing. And so <laughs> that's my problem. I. That's why I don't have any money because I keep like losing interest as soon as something becomes potentially profitable. <laughs> I have the exact same problem. I, I love starting <laughs> starting stuff up like that. That's the fun stuff, like coming up with all these ideas. Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, Kate, what's the next one? Yeah, no, no, somebody else can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and then that somebody else, you know, doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. See, this this is why I need to to win the lottery is so I can yeah. hire a whole bunch of CEOs yeah. just to yeah, all these companies yeah. and stuff. If you win the lottery, give me some of the money, and then I can do the same thing. <laughs> Absolutely, Do donate to the Museum <laughs> of Failure to keep it going. <laughs> I, I on the Museum of Failure. Uh, I mean, I I have partnered with, um, with a company that um takes. I mean, they run like, the the operational part, which is great. Um, you know. But they also take all the money, <laughs> so, yeah. so. But it's fine. I'd rather that it lives, you know, keeps, you know, it, it continues, uh, than that I mismanage it. Absolutely, and and that's something that that I've said uh, as well a couple of times. Like, um, you know, if <laughs> if if I don't think I can I can manage it all, yeah. then I, I have to let it go and yeah. and move on yeah. to the next thing. For that so, um, absolutely. Uh, out of everything that you've brought to the museum so far do you do you have a favorite piece that that's really stood out or uh, that you've wanted to more people to see it's difficult to choose like one one of the hundred and hundred plus items we have but okay how about a top five <laughs> yeah i'll give you my favorite one to talk about sort of when i give keynotes and stuff in in serious business yeah you know, the economic summit of whatever country or region it's like super 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 serious um business context and i love talking about olestra you remember olestra i don't know how old you are but um almost 40 but i don't okay, remember okay well yeah then you you're then you might have remembered at least your parents getting excited about olestra 
It was in 1996. Um, the uh, Procter had developed the holy grail of food science. They had a calorie-free fat substitute. You get it? You can is this eat for as, margarine? No, this is for potato chips. Oh. You can eat as many potato chips as you want without getting fat. You get this? It's ex exciting stuff, right? Yeah. So it's called Olestra. You Google this stuff afterwards. It's um, so the, the Frito Lay and all the you know big brands, Pringles, you know, potato chips is like one hundred percent satisfaction, zero percent guilt. Like you can just go crazy with without you know the bad side of potato chips and all and other fatty foods as well. So this is all great. Um, Except that the Olestra, you know, obviously if it's calorie free, you eat more than you probably would have if it's not calorie free, yeah. right? But uh, so the big problem was that people were experiencing massive explosive diarrhea. Oh. Um, <laughs> so they actually, the potato chips became known as, uh, you know, Olestra potato chips, they became known as uh, uh, causing anal leakage. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love the story because it's like the perfect product. It's a big corporation behind it. And they, they launch it and there's these huge expectations of, wow, we finally solved the problem of obesity and everything. Like this is like hallelujah. Everybody jumps on board. And then there's shit all over the place. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Uh, I think it's a great example. I, it's one of my favorites for sure. Absolutely. Um, it actually reminds me, There, I read a story about three years ago, something similar with aspartame and gum, and teens were like chewing massive amounts of of gum to, to yeah. lose weight because of the same thing. It came from the massive shit. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, yeah. that cannot be the best no. way to lose weight. <laughs> no, there's got to be other ways. <laughs> yeah, less pain. <laughs> it's like come on guys i mean there i mean there's a lot of different things within i mean the food industry is really good at creating new products so mm -hmm. there's a lot of failures there so many that i've had to sort of limit the number of those in the museum to, so it's not just food and beverage related <laughs> yeah. uh, but um yeah, another good one I, I i like another one is um um the story of either Blockbuster or Kodak. Um, they're both stories of what happens when you're a fat cat and you, uh, and you, you don't innovate, you don't risk failure. Mm -hmm. So um, both those companies, uh, they're long stories, but both of them really screwed up in that they ha were, had a dominant position, had a lot of money, like, uh, enormous amount of money and didn't risk anything like they, they were they 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 sort of um did everything to maintain the status quo rather than experiment in exploring the, you know other possibilities yeah. and because this of is that how we've done it for years yeah, yeah i mean both of the companies are huge and and then they're like no we're making a lot of money why should we try something new um and they both of those companies don't exist anymore exactly if you um, don't somebody else will they will and they'll do it better than you 
I, yeah. And then it doesn't take, I mean, it, today it's really difficult. I mean, co you have to understand Kodak was one of those companies that was, uh, you know, it was on marble pillars. Like it was a company that wasn't going anywhere. Uh, just like it was a hundred year company. Yeah. I mean, it, just like Google is today, Google and Apple, we look at them. I can't imagine my life without Google yeah. or Apple for that matter. And uh, well, let's open. <laughs> um, but um, but you know, I can't imagine what it what 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 how would the world what would it be like if we didn't have Google, right? Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is, Google's gonna it's also gonna die at some point, um, just like every other organization, and we don't know why. Um, and Kodak was like Google; they were like the, they were awesome, right? Uh, and because they didn't innovate their business model, they 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 went bankrupt. Um, and Google could also be, and I mean, it's not too big to fail. No. Um, but it's really hard to imagine how Google could screw up so badly or fail so badly that they uh, go bankrupt. You know, <laughs> just look at Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone thought <laughs> Facebook couldn't fail, and now look exactly. at them there. <laughs> look at their screw like their their. They're you know battling to sort of uh, wiggle them way, their ways out of the situation they're in. I mean, Facebook—they're still making shitloads of money, but you know it can change so quickly. It really can. Like uh, I remember uh, the first time I heard about Facebook, um, I was on MySpace for crying out loud, and MySpace yeah. was the big thing, and yeah. that's where all the hype was. And this new Facebook thing came out, but it was only for students, and I. <clears throat> I'm always interested in new technology. So yeah. I was asking everybody I knew if they had access because I wanted to see screenshots from yeah. what What are you seeing inside? Like, yeah. what, what's this new yeah. technology? Yeah. And now it's like so ingrained in everybody's lives that yeah. it's like, what was life without Facebook? <laughs> well, we, we might get to, to see that if they keep up on their current path. <laughs> and maybe Instagram, we'll see. Hello. Yeah, oh, there we go. Now you're back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, cheap hotel internet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it. I don't know. I've uh, uh, I've had some bad issues with my high high priced internet too from time <laughs> to time. So you know, technology could be on your site. Um, yes. No, but I mean, it, it, what's I mean, what's interesting about from from my perspective about failure is that you know, just like organizations have to become better at accepting failure if they want any kind of you know innovation or progress i think it's the same for us as as individuals if we're not willing to risk being wrong or risk fucking up like and it costing us like screwing up when it doesn't hurt doesn't count like yeah exactly <laughs> um, not giving anything no so if we're not willing to do that and take those meaningful risks then um we stagnate and, and in many ways that's like kodak or like blockbuster um a person that doesn't you know um develop and doesn't improve that you know, isn't 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 changing they cannot adapt to the world that changes without their sort of consent <laughs> yeah um absolutely. and you know we, we see what happens they have a really difficult time yeah. um so it, there is not that big of a difference between individuals or organizations when it comes to this. So my message is really clear. Like, let's accept failure. Let's talk about failure, like you're doing on your show. Um, 
let's let's destigmatize failure. Um, it still hurts. Nobody wants to fail. Yeah. But let's kind of get over this sort of idea that failure is so horrible that you have to do everything to avoid it. Um, and I don't understand how it got to that point because no. when you look at history, most things took failure yeah. to succeed to begin with. Like absolutely, just about anything, you know. Yeah. So how um, how, how do we get to this point of it's bad? It's bad. <laughs> I don't know. There's there is some. I mean, there. Are, I mean, there are. I don't actually know. I mean, I, I've thought about it, but I don't really know where we've gotten. There is some ideas about how we associate, because failure is a bad word, like, mm -hmm. um, and you say, oh, you're a loser, you're a failure, um, and you laugh at failure, you, you know, you want to avoid being a failure. So that, and then we associate, just like we associate to other negative words, we associate, we give that word a lot of power. Um, when it, which it absolutely doesn't deserve. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. <laughs> um, so I think I think it's in our obviously it's in our heads, but I think um, I think I think if if we can if we can let go of that sort of super 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 uh, uh, fear of failure, we can say, hey, let's let's look at it, let's have a, let's get it, uh, sort of look look at it from a new angle or a new approach and say. Obviously, we want to avoid failure that's damaging. I mean, we don't want to damage our important relationships. We don't want to damage our health or, you know, we don't want to end up um, or destroying our economy or, you know. Um, so in those ways, like, let's, let's, let's say, like, let's be better at taking these risks that don't damage us or if you're an organization, damage the organization and be taking those risks that are sort of okay to, to fail on, you know, yeah. and learn from them and develop uh, and improve. So then maybe we can avoid these massive, massive failures. Absolutely. That's an amazing point. And actually from there, let's uh, roll into the last question here. Yeah. If, if you could give somebody a, a piece of advice that's currently stuck in that situation, they, they don't want to take that, that added risk. What, what would you tell them or what would you try and say to them to try and get them past that, to get them over that little hump to take that chance? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it's a good question. My main, I mean, my main message there would be or is to really understand, like, okay, so what are you afraid of? Like, what is it you're? Are you afraid of being humiliated? Are you afraid of the social aspects of the failure? Like, should I start my company? Should I? ask that girl out should i do that whatever you're struggling with what are you afraid of there because if it's the social aspect i can tell you right now it's not it hurts a little bit but it doesn't hurt that much mm -hmm. um and you build up this sort of idea of how damaging or how horrible it is um and the other aspect is i mean when you take a meaningful risk you know that it might fail so have a contingency plan like if it fails don't don't take a risk that's going to you know kill you don't take a risk that's going to seriously damage your you know relationships or your life um take risks that you where you can live with the uh, negative outcome and living with the shame of i tried to open my i tried to open a comp start a company or i tried to you know climb up the corporate ladder or whatever you're trying to do 
and then not have succeeded with that, where is the shame in that? Like, get over that, that part. Absolutely. Does that make that's any, a great make answer. Any sense? Absolutely. That that was perfect. And that's I th I think that's that for for most people that that's the case. Like, that the fact that you tried should be should be a good thing to you. Like, yeah. even if you didn't make it, you you gave it your best shot. Absolutely. Like that should be the important part. Absolutely. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It's been great talking to you. And I really do hope that uh, I will get a chance to see the Museum of Failure in person one of these days. You're so welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye -bye. And for all those watching and listening at home, uh, thanks for, for tuning in. And we will see you next month. Have a great month and a Bye. Merry New Year. Oh, Merry.